Searching for a research partner to handle the details of your next qualitative project? When we say Fieldwork can handle it all, we mean it. From world-class facilities to low-incidence recruitment, their team of experts handles the details so you can stay focused on the research. Say goodbye to traditional focus group rooms and recruitment tactics. As market research has grown from the standard focus group to incorporate other innovative methodologies and technologies, Fieldwork has expanded along with it. With facilities nationwide and sophisticated global recruitment services, their detail-oriented staff partners with you to achieve great insights. Focus on the research. Fieldwork will do the rest. Hello, hello. Welcome to Ponderings from the Perch. This is Priscilla McKinney, as always, the Little Bird Mama here at Little Bird Marketing. I am so happy to have with me a fellow podcaster. Yay. Yay for podcasters. <laughs> all the hard work behind the scenes. Here, I'm going to hand an invisible trophy of all the hard work that it takes to get a podcast going <laughs> to my guest today, Ben Duick. And he is also a leadership expert. He is so passionate about leadership development. You're going to hear that in our conversation today. But he also understands, like me, the stunning discomfort of entrepreneurship. He has also done some uh, leadership in the nonprofit world, including some fundraising. He's a Gallup certified Clifton Strengths coach, which I know there's a lot of big fans out there. So we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, today. But he does have a master's in leadership. And I think that's, you know, we want to really talk about what he took from that and how he developed and became the president and founder of Cantera Leadership. So this is one of my friends from across the border, up north, one of the Canadians. So he's going to be so polite. I guarantee you, you're going to love the show. So Ben, welcome to Ponderings from the Perch. Wow, Priscilla, that was a great introduction. I really love that. Now you have this high expectation set for this Canadian to like represent in your podcast here and be polite. Hopefully I come across well in that way. <laughs> uh, but yes, oh, you know, and I appreciate everything you said there. The whole idea, I'm sure you have other podcasters who also listen to your podcast. And uh, for anyone who's done it or is thinking of doing it, yeah, there is just a lot of work that happens with it. But, you know, I love it. I love having conversations with people as you do. I already know that from our previous conversations we've had and conversations you have on your podcast. So I'm excited to talk leadership. I'm excited to talk, you know, whatever comes up, business, people, life, like let's, let's dive into wherever this might go. I think I might need to lay down and start and tell you the story of my childhood at a very young age. And, <laughs> you know, when I think about leadership, I just think of all the things I need to lay down and just kind of unload. So <laughs> I don't, I hope this will be a little bit more beyond a personal therapy session for me, but leadership is hard. It's yeah. not for sissies. It's not even in leadership and entrepreneurship combined make an even more difficult path. And yet some of us just keep choosing it. (laughs) Right. Right. Well, and I think part of what makes leadership so hard and is that there's not really like any, you know, follow step one, step two, step three, and you've got it right. It's, Mm -hmm. I heard it this way and I referred to it this way before where leadership is more of an art than a science. Mm -hmm. And that's the challenge with art, right? Art can be defined differently by different people or appreciated differently by different people. Now there are principles, I think, that are universal that you can look at and you can you can apply and, and try to live them out. But even when you live out those principles, you're living them out in unique ways because you as a leader are unique and you're leading a team of unique people. Not like, everyone operates the same. 
Okay, that that's like our underlying point here. And obviously, we're going to talk a little bit about Gallup Strength Finder and, and what you yeah. do. But I think that's the sticky wicket there is that it is subjective. And, you know, kind of the way I would see it is like, there is a convergence, if you will, of pressures, right? Right. So I've got pressures in my life. I've got business pressures sitting at my desk. I have leadership pressures from my executive and director team. And then I have employee pressures. Well, I have client pressure. Like It's just this convergence of all of these pressures and it's also a need for camaraderie in that pressure. And, mm. and I had a, something happen here with at our company yesterday, and I regrouped with my executive VP w- with one of them and my executive director. And the three of us just got on the call and I just was like, hey, guys, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to bring this down. We're going to take care of each other. That's what we're going to do in this moment. Right. And let's think about what our intention is to do. But that was a difficult moment. And you're right. There's a lot of different ways to do it. So tell me about your perspective that is subjective, but obviously tried and true because you're good at what you do. So help us understand kind of where you start from, because you do have a master's in this. So we really do want to hear what your perspective is kind of where, how do you even begin? How do you approach such a massive, massive subject? Well, and just to, and I'll answer that shortly, but just to back it up a little bit to add on to what you were saying, no pressure on leaders, but 70% of success for your teams rests on leadership. The studies have shown, <laughs> right? Like Wait, now you're going to make me cry. <laughs> right, right. So like when we're leading, there's the biggest factor in the engagement of our employees, engagement of our teams, the success of our teams really is on leadership, on, on us as leaders. Now they're in your organization and in most organizations, there's more than just one leader. There's multiple leaders, but there is a lot of weight on empowering our leaders to be successful in some way, right? And exactly that's, that's, you know, how. And I think a lot of leaders really struggle, especially in a lot of organizations where they've come up maybe being an individual contributor, and now they're in a leadership role. How do you balance that out? How do you now say, okay, I can't only be an individual contributor anymore. I have to now lead the team and get the best from the team that I'm in charge of. In charge of isn't the right word because I'm not a fan of like the whole dictatorship of leadership, but you know, you get the idea of, of leading your team. You can see it a little bit more as a duty of care, but we could understand it like there that. So, okay. yes, that's a better way of putting it. And so, you know, when I'm working with leaders, I think a big question that I often ask them or a big kind of discussion that I have is whether they are an individual contributor or whether they are someone who's kind of always been in that lead role. Maybe they they started their business uh, or they bought into a business or whatever the case is, is how can you be more intentional with what it means to be a leader. And intentionality rests a lot on how you are setting aside time to put yourself just in that leadership space. And that is can be a challenge because like you were mentioning earlier, all those pressures, you know, you're putting out fires every day. You're putting out fires with, from your clients, putting out fires from your team, putting out fires from this technology thing that doesn't work, this business thing that's not going the way you want it to go. All these different fires that you have to put out Sometimes you have to pause, put yourself back, you know, step back and say, what do I need to do to empower my team to get to be their best? And when we pause and we take that time, I like to encourage people that I work with, the clients that I work with to say, hey, like, just start with 10 minutes once a week. <laughs> start small, take that time, take a few breaths, ask yourself that question, look at your team, look at your different team members and say, how do I help get the best from Tom? How do I help get the best from Susan? You know, whoever is on your team. And I think that's really the role of a leader is asking yourself the question, how 
How do I just help my team be their best? That doesn't mean I have to, I'm not the, the, the savior. I'm not the, the only solution, but I want to help them succeed. Mm-hmm. So how do you help them succeed? That's a really well, good starting point. Let's talk about one of the things where you and I think connect and that you have expertise in the Gallup's Strength Finder. But I, for a long time, very young, did not like this concept of people pushing past their comfort zone. I'm like, well, right. well, I'm sorry. Why would we want to do that? <laughs> like, right, I get right. that there's risk and I am uncomfortable. Maybe I call it the stunning discomfort, like I said, of entrepreneurship. So I get that, but nobody wants to live day in and day out uncomfortable. We need to play sure. to our strengths. And when this kind of approach in leadership came all around and became more accepted and more popular, I was like, yes, Thank you. What I'm trying to do here is get everybody in seats where they're comfortable so they can excel. Yes. Let them do the very thing that they want to do. So tell me about your kind of entree into becoming certified with that and why right. you feel like that is, uh, you know, a core. Sure. And I first actually came across the tool about uh, 13 years ago. And I can remember 13 years ago because that's when I started my master's degree in leadership. And I missed the birth of my second child Oh my because gosh. I was taking my master's degree. <laughs> I, I'm not saying that proudly. I'm I'm really sad that that happened. I received my first congratulations from the taxi driver who was driving me to the airport to try to get back home in time. Congratulations <laughs> on the birth of your daughter. And, and so, yes, 13 years ago in May was when it happened. So I first came across the tool as a part of the master's degree. That was the first time I'd seen it. And when I was first exposed to it, I was just, I don't know if blown away. That might be too dramatic. I don't like being that dramatic. But I was really impressed with how it captured that exact idea as to how do you identify the natural talents, the natural ways that you operate, and how do you use those talents in order to convert everything you do to its maximum impact? Some of that relates to skill, right? So some skill is a piece of it that doesn't necessarily, the Clifton Strengths or Strengths Finder tool doesn't talk about skill, it talks about talent, but skill can be a piece of this too. Like how do you get people in the right seat? I talk about skills, knowledge, experience, and talent. Talent is often the one that people don't talk about. They talk about skills, they talk about knowledge, they talk about experience, but the Clifton Strengths tool helps identify talent. And so 13 years ago, when I first took it, loved it, used it with the team that I was a part of then, but then it faded for me for a while. I didn't use it for a while, kind of uh, was just a different environment I was in, didn't really find opportunities to use it. And then when I was looking at launching my business, I was trying to think, what do I want to kind of hang my hat on? What kind of approach do I want to take when it comes to developing leaders and developing teams? And the strengths-based approach just kept coming clear to me because of exactly that whole idea. And you've heard this metaphor before. If we're going to put a fish on dry land, you're not going to see much success. If you throw a squirrel in the water, now I actually don't know. Squirrels might swim very well. I've never tested this, but go along with me for a bit on this metaphor. You throw a squirrel into a lake or into a river, they're not going to be as effective as the fish in the river. So if we can develop a common language and a common understanding as to how to get the best from ourselves as leaders and how to get the best from our teams, we're going to see engagement improve. You know, the employee engagement is a is a buzzword these days, the great resignation, all those different kinds of things. We're going to see employee engagement improve. We're going to see team success improve. And ultimately, that converts into all those metrics that we as business leaders love to see around profitability, productivity, client retention, client success, all those different kinds of things that we like to see. It converts into that. So that's the approach that I love and I, I love taking because really a strengths-based approach actually resonates with people. They don't like talking about oh, like, what do you 
suck at. <laughs> okay. So now this is where this becomes therapy session. Sure. <laughs> so <Yes>. then <laughs> help me out here. So yep. I'm tracking with you. I also follow Kristen Wheeler, who calls this native genius and really about like kind of becoming awake and alive to the moments when you go, oh, look at me. I'm, I'm really doing my thing mm. right now. And I want to do more yeah. of it. Like I want to, I'm so good right now. I'm, and I, I'm of service to people right now because yeah. I'm in my most natural state. And it's, it is that kind of like genius is coming out of me right now. Please don't stop it. You know, I long for that state and I long for that state in the people that I work for. But what do you say in leadership to leaders like me and to companies and people listening where we have teams that are at a just a completely different place in their own journey, because it sounds great. You bring in a leadership development person and we all start from point eight and then we get, we progress, but we all know that we don't live in a linear fashion like that. I do like to say a lot of times to my team, you know what, it doesn't mean anything to you until it means something to you because you cannot force this kind of leadership understanding or change or introspection people have to do. So what would your advice be with all of the work you've done in leadership and just all kinds of different teams about how you live through that transition, how you live through some of that pain when the convergence of the pressures and the convergence of different people's experiences and their timelines that don't fit your timeline is mounting. So what would you say in that kind of a situation? Yeah, it can be tough, right? Because you're juggling all these different people. And like I said at the beginning, right? Everyone is different. Everyone is unique, not only in the, the strengths they bring, but yeah, in their their experience, their own emotional intelligence, right? Their own self-awareness, all those different areas, right? And that's why I think that I, I appreciate as a tool, the Clifton Strengths tool is great. Now I'll talk about other ways of doing it too, but I do recommend it highly to have your team take it because what it does is it gives you a common language around those exact questions you're asking, a common language that is a neutral language, right? It's not a, a judgment that you're making around someone. It's not a, it doesn't need to be like, oh, this is what I think, or this is what I, I want to say. It allows you to point to it and say, hey, so-and-so, thanks for taking this, this assessment. It's a great assessment. How do you see yourself in your results? How do you see these Clifton Strengths themes, these talents that you've been able to identify, how do you see them uh, having helped you in the past? How do you see them helping you right now? Now, how can you see them help you in the future? It can apply to any role. So a good example, and I'll share a quick example of this. So one of the clients I work with, it's a, a tech company. They do a lot of software development. And so a lot of the members on their team, they're all in doing software development. Now, I'm not a software developer. I can't speak that language, but they're all doing similar types of work, programming stuff on computers, right? And when I would meet with them one-on-one, -on -one, I did stuff as a group and then I would break down with them one-on-one -on -one, and I'd ask each of them, just describe to me the top five things that you do every day, right? And, and all of them would have their top five things almost the same because they're all doing software development. They'd have a few adjustments, a few different variations. And then I would ask all of them, look at your top five Clifton Strengths themes. And there's a possible list of 34 themes for listeners who aren't familiar with it. Look at your top five themes, the ones that come most naturally to you, the ones that are most instinctive in how you operate. Which of your top five themes help you be successful at each of your different pieces you describe your job looking like? Everyone has different top five themes. There's a one in 33 million chance that you'll ever find someone with the exact same top five in the exact same order. So all these software developers had different themes in their top five, yet all of them were able to look at their top five themes and draw the line back to what they do at work and how that theme can help them be successful. They're all different. 
but yet they all can be successful using how they're different. It's like connecting to them to their inner power too. Yes, it's a vernacular that you start sharing with your teamwork, but it's a vernacular you start sharing with yourself. Like, I understand why I can get through this right now. I'm going to rely on this. And that inner dialogue, I find to be a part of the power of that kind of a professional transformation. Yeah. And if people haven't taken the Clifton Strengths assessment, I think it's a simple question or simple conversation. Well, simple. It can be a really in-depth yet simple conversation where you ask those questions around flow. Like what kind of things, when, when are you kind of lost in the moment? What kind of situations, what kind of conversations, what kind of relationships make you kind of lose yourself? What do you feel like comes more naturally to you than the others around you? What do you wish you could do more of? Now, it's not to say that you only do those things that you'd you know, love doing and, and that get you in the flow. There's always going to be things that we do that don't fit for that. But the more you understand that, the clearer you can be. And then that's where you can have some really interesting discussions. Yeah, that's the asterisk. See stunning discomfort of entrepreneurship as listed above. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Okay, so you mentioned there's other tools that you use, and it's obviously not just this, but you kind of created your, maybe your framework out of the strength finders. But you also talk a lot about behavioral change. So tell me how that relates in how you guide teams really through this process. Right, so when... Any organization, any individual, any team is looking at, hey, how do I, I want to grow, I want to change, I want to, you know, take that next step, I want to reach a certain goal. You know, a goal is important. Goals are nice, but a goal isn't quite enough. Everyone that is at the Olympics, for example, they all want to win a medal, right? You know, they they want to win the gold medal. But you're not going to get there unless you figure out what are the actual behaviors, the steps that I need to take to get there. So if you were trying to go for a gold medal, you know, in, in a certain sport, it would be, you know, what do I need to do when I wake up in the morning? What's one behavior I need to, to do that morning? That doesn't happen the morning of your race, right? This happens many, many, many time, days, years, lifetimes before you actually get to that, that race or that whatever event that is. So when we're working with leaders and teams, it's helping them to identify. So what's the outcome we want? But more importantly, what behaviors will lead toward that outcome. And then I walk them through a, a pretty simple process. It's based on a lot of habit building uh, theory and, and uh, research out there that they identify one laughably small step. I use that term specifically, laughably small step that they can take that will help lead towards that outcome. Usually I have them fill out a statement that has some blanks in it. So it's when blank and you're, that blank is the trigger. So when blank happens, Instead of, so that's another blank, instead of what you're currently doing, I will blank. And when that third blank is a laughably small step, our brains don't get in our way because brain science says that if our step that we're trying to take is too big, our brain stops it from happening. And that's just neuroscience. So we want to take a laughably small step. So if I wanted to work out more, Priscilla, which I probably should, but let's say, you know, I wanted to work out more. I might say, when I wake up in the morning, instead of popping in the shower, I will put on my workout clothes. Right? Laughably small step. If I do that consistently, at some point, it's going to go to that next step, which is running down the street, whatever okay. it might be. Well, laughably small step, but I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, I need to do that one too. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I like that idea because I think that there in the past has been so much leadership development that has been fighting who you are and whip yourself into shape and dig deep and all this stuff. And I, I do think that we've taken a much better approach to understand we need to work with our own systems, with our own brains, yes, with our natural skills, but also with the way that our brain works. And we've seen a lot of good books in the last, you know, 10 and 15 years about the use of neuroscience and, and working with yourself. But as a business, let's kind of shift gears a little bit. You also are an entrepreneur. So I right. guess, you know, and maybe people don't ask you this very often, but which of your top five strengths actually helps you get your job done being living in what you and I refer to the joy and the struggle of entrepreneurship? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, and, that, and that's a good question. People don't often ask me that, but I have an answer for that. And I have an actual very specific example I can share with you. So my top five, just so you, anyone who does know Clifton Strengths, they can look this up. If you don't know Clifton Strengths, you can also look this up. You can look up Clifton Strengths, just Google it. Gallup has a big list of, of what they are. So my top five, strategic, belief, self-assurance, ideation, and futuristic. I won't explain all of them. People can look them up if they want to. Out of those themes, only one of those in the top five counts as what Gallup refers to as an executing theme. So the theme that helps you get things done, and that's belief. So for me, one of the themes that I need to lean in probably more than I do in regards to getting things done is belief. A good example of this is in my other themes, you can see strategic ideation and futuristic, very much big picture kind of thinking types of themes. So I was in my head preparing the most wonderful leadership development program ever. It was going to be just fantastic. It was designed to work specifically with tech companies. It was called the Tech Leader Accelerator. It was going to just transform the leadership within the tech world. And it was just such a great program in my head. <laughs> the problem was I wasn't doing anything to actually execute on it or build anything. So what I did is when I started to connect with potential clients, I started to tell them, I have a program launching in June, which is about six months from when I started to tell people this. As soon as I said that, my belief theme, which relates to kind of the things you value, the things, the core piece of who you are, as soon as I started to tell people that this is what I was doing, I had no choice but to execute on doing it. So six months later, I launched my first Tech Leader Accelerator program because of my belief theme. Now, there's still lots of challenges being an entrepreneur. I don't have it figured out every day or most days. I don't have it figured out. It's probably a good way of putting it. But definitely there are times when I need to lean into my themes and kind of that's one an example of how I did that. Mm, I love that. And I think one takeaway I have from that, it really comes down to intentionality. And obviously, if anybody's hiring a leadership development coach, they are intentional about doing some things differently and saying, look, when there's a success, I'm a part of the success. And when there's a mess, I'm a part of the mess. And that willingness to kind of start from there is to me, the journey of self-reflection. And it actually is in, in our company culture, in our handbook, that we really believe in self-reflection, that at any moment, we really need to give ourselves the space to think, what, you know, what am I doing here? What's my intention? And, and, and you know, how am I showing up? Like, what, what's going on here without just being pulled by situations. And that's something that I really appreciate about people can have the intention. I don't want to get pulled, but I love this, what you said, but I found an anchor. I'm going to pull one of my strengths and say, well, I'm not going to be pulled in any given direction, but I'm not going to just like force myself and whip myself into shape in order to not be pulled. I'm going to rely on something I can trust. That's an anchor in my own 
being in my own self in order to make sure that I'm no longer adrift here. Yeah. And I think a good way of putting it is in, in, in a good kind of flip side to that. I mean, people can be, can do anything for a short amount of time, right? You can ask anyone to do anything and they may not have the heart behind it, the motivation behind it, and they can do it for probably a short amount of time and they can probably do it well for that short amount of time because you hire good people. We hire good people. We probably have a lot of good people on our team that will do a lot of good things for us. At some point, if they're not using that anchor, drawing that anchor in and having it work with them, they're going to fade. They're going to start to feel disengaged. That's where a lot of disengagement comes from when it comes to the workforce. Mm -hmm. They're not feeling like they're in sync with that flow piece of who they are. Mm -hmm. So as leaders, one of the best things that we can do is help them to, to find what helps them be in the flow. Again, the task itself, sometimes a task does need to change, right? So sometimes, hey, I gave you the wrong tasks. That could be what it is. But sometimes it's like, I know this task isn't great. You probably don't even like this task. How can your strengths, how can your anchor that you have, those pieces of you help you with that task? Mm -hmm. That's a key question. Yeah. And I think to answer that in leadership, that is one of those things that tells you you're not alone. Like there's something, whether it's a person where there's a resource or an inner resource, outer resource to help you here. I think the lie that happens a lot of times in leadership is we do feel very alone. And I think that's like a clever way of putting it together. Okay. I'm going to shift gears one more time and I'm going to let you rant a little bit. I know you're not expecting this, but I like to throw um, new things at, at my my guests, but I create digital content marketing platforms and solutions for Legion. Our company is like completely geared towards that. And on this other side, our other proposition is that I teach cohorts to become social influencers in the B2B world on LinkedIn. Okay, with both of those, one of my pet peeves is always the client that comes to me wanting a quick fix. Oh, well, we don't want your whole program. We want an hour. And I think that leadership coaches get this even more than I do. So I'm going to allow you to rant and <laughs> and tell us why a quick fix does not work for leadership. But then really as a thanks, Ben, for coming on and sharing this information, I'm going to pull back the curtain and I want you to tell people, well, what is ideal? Like from a perspective, like right from the mouth of a leadership and a, a professional development coach, what is the ideal situation for you to walk in where you go now? That company, they really are investing in their people and this is how you do it. So give me those two things. What's the rant? And then what would you hope for? You know, and I understand completely why leaders, why businesses would want that quick fix, right? Because everyone is so busy. We all have so much stuff that we're doing and budgets are tight. Time is tight. And it's not just the time, like I get it because it's not just paying a coach, a consultant to come in and work. It's if you're going to now do some team workshops and some one-on-ones, everyone's time in your organization, you're paying for the time. And if they have to sit with Ben for two hours or three hours or one hour, you're paying for that time on top of Ben's time. It can become super expensive. And I get it. The quick fix though never works. And when I, I remember I had a conversation when I first launched my business about three years ago with, with client who I ended up booking, but I told them and I said, Hey, I don't want to be the one and done solution for you. I don't want to be the one night stand. And when it comes to leadership development, I want to be an ongoing partner in your success with your team. And it doesn't happen when you just do a one-time thing. And you've probably been a part of these, Priscilla, you've probably, lots of your people listening will have been a part of these workshops where you go to the workshop, you sit there for a couple hours, you get all excited, you get all inspired, and then you go home and you go back to work, you go back to your teams, 
your teams went through the same thing maybe and then nothing changes. And it's just like, well, that was a waste of an investment of time and money. And I agree, you don't send your people to those things. You don't bring in someone like Ben for one workshop. I will take your money if you want to hire me to do that. But I will feel really bad and I will recommend to not do that with me. <laughs> in that you want situation. to know my secret? I What's five that? times my hourly rate and say, I'll do that for an hour. But then if you actually use my program, <laughs> then I'll take it off that because I don't think that the, I don't think that the hour is going to work. Right. I, I, you know, I'm just in the same, but, but, but you and I both know it's not ill will to it. It's just, it is that struggle is real for yes. business owners and for, for busy leaders. Well, and it, and it goes to what I was saying earlier with just the science of our brains and the, and the science of learning. Within seven days, we forget like 90% of what we've learned, right? So unless you're doing things that that actually reinforce what you're learning over a period of time, you'll never see change. Not only reinforce what you're learning, but translate that into that behavioral change, right? And so that's why, and three years ago when I, I know when I was talking to this client, my solution at that time was, was different than it is now. And I said, okay, I'm not just doing one workshop with you. And I and I was able to work with them over multiple workshops and there was some, some better success. Now I've integrated that behavioral change piece, right? So when I have clients work with me over the programs that I do, the clients, I usually work them over a period of, of six months is kind of a, now that can vary. It can be less, it can be more, but six months is kind of a, a good starting point to discuss things. But over that time period, the leaders that I work with, the teams that I work with, identify what's the behavioral change that we want to make. And then I actually have a way to track that, measure that, prompt that behavioral change over that time period, and then show data that reinforces, hey, over this first 30-day period, we saw growth in your team on the behaviors they committed to from and that, you know 3.4 out of 10 on average to 6.1 out of 10 on average. Not only then do we get to see their growth, but the circle closes because I then integrate reflection questions where we get insights from their experience in that first 30 days around their team development, their leadership development, that then reiterates in the next cycle. And so it's an ongoing cycle. And at the end of it, there's data that can show growth and improvement on the behaviors that lead towards the outcomes that you want. So that's kind of what I've done and what I recommend people do when they work mm-hmm. with a leadership consultant. Because as it turns out, they're humans involved in this situation, right? Yes. And it's constantly changing. And also there are teams that I'll talk with people like, yeah, I just started last Tuesday. <laughs> well, you know, our teams are not only personally, they're changing, but our the formation of our teams are changing. So to me, that just makes a lot of good sense. But thanks for pulling that curtain back a little bit, because I think sometimes people are a little afraid to ask to because they don't want to sound stupid. And they also don't want to seem like they don't want to invest in their people. But they also don't know what is ideal. Where is the sweet spot where I can actually, number one, show my team that I do care about them and that I do want them to have some professional development. Number two, I cannot be the source of that. And even if I were very good and I do professional and, and leadership training outside of the office, it's still not the same coming from your boss. Having a third party yeah. is so important. And then saying, okay, and then also we do have big goals we want to achieve. So yeah. I think you have this confluence, but then people think, well, that would be a good idea, but it's sometimes it's hard to pull the trigger. So I, I really appreciate you pulling that curtain back a little bit. That's what we try and do on Ponderings from the Perch to hear from people who are living in it directly. But Ben Duick, this has been really great, but I want to make sure that people know how to find you. So I'm going to spell your name. Ben is obviously very easy, B-E-N, but Duick is D-U-E-C-K. So you could find him on LinkedIn. 
And at, you can also find him at Cantera Leadership. What's the actual website for that? Yeah, so www.canteraleadership.com. Cantera is one R. Some people put two R's in there. So C-A-N-T-E-R-A, leadership.com. You can find my website there. LinkedIn, I love LinkedIn. And I love if people are listening to this, even if uh, you don't know why you would want to reach out to me or like, I don't know why you would want to reach out to me, whatever the case is, I just love connecting with people. So just reach out to me on LinkedIn, make a connection. And if you do reach out to me on LinkedIn, mention that you heard this podcast uh, with Priscilla and uh, that'll help me make that connection with who you are. Yeah. And Ben and I are going to be friends forever anyway. And also (laughs) just as a final thank you, Ben, tell us about your podcast. We're both podcasters. I want to give you a little time to pitch that. Right. Absolutely. So I have a little podcast called The 10 Minute Leader. It's a little bit, the the name doesn't quite exactly ring true in the sense that I started with the intention of having these short 10 minute conversations with leaders and putting those into bite-sized chunks. But I found that very quickly, I had too much fun having conversations with leaders and so most of the conversations end up being quite a bit longer, but you can find the 10 minute leader on all the major podcast platforms. And you'll see that most of those episodes are broken up into two episodes. So they're still kind of almost 10 minutes, but usually <laughs> so not even then. A little uh, snackable. Well, we'll also exactly. put the links in the show notes and also to your LinkedIn profile and also to the website. But Ben, thank you so much for joining us and giving us maybe a little reprieve and making us just drop our anxiety just a little bit about how far we all still have to go in professional development. Hey, my pleasure. It was great to be on with you, Priscilla. From all of the peeps here at Little Bird Marketing, have a great day and happy marketing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.